Hi, I'm Cassidy Riley, and you're listening to Live and in Color with my very good friend, Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13, to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits, and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, one more time to Live It in Color with Wolfie D. I'm your host, of course, Wolfie Dizzle, and I got my co-host Jimmy Street here. What's going on today, my friend? Man, I'm I'm doing great, brother. You know, the one thing I will say about this is we've had such a great run of guests lately. You know, we've had Tommy Dreamer, Blue Meanie, Dean Hill, the the great legendary Dean Hill, Steve Kern. Then we had Spellbinder, man, and now we got Cassidy Riley today, man. We are just hitting home runs left and right. I'm stoked think, about this interview. I, think I should have been a talent agent or something like that. I'm know. thinking you should have, brother. Yeah, yeah, that would be excellent. Uh, maybe that's your second career. <laughs> You know, I know we got Cassidy coming up, man, and I'm super excited for that. But I got to throw this. Normally, I say this stuff during current affairs. But yeah. in this case, this is special for you, man. Did you see that lighter fluid super kick with Joey Janela? Oh, Jimmy, don't even get me started. <laughs> stuff like this is just ridiculous, man. This kid ever look up, you know, it, we use flash paper. Uh, Lawler used flash paper. Eddie Gilbert, man, anybody that's thrown fire in the ring, it's a flash paper, man. It's not douse your fucking shoe with lighter fluid and your kick pad there, which are fabrics that are going to hold that shit in there. And, and my question was, who... Uh, who said okay let's do this also who said this is okay and then do you go to the promoter i mean and do you ask him or is that just indie mud show bullshit where hey just go out there and do whatever nobody cares if it was me i mean seriously i mean i, I in a way i get what he was doing i mean because i come up with shit like that i mean that's cool Oh, let's throw a flaming super kick in there. And I did not see the buildup. I didn't see any of that. So if you can work it into a way, it would absolutely be a cool uh, heel finish. But you've also got to understand, fucking have some, this motherfucker kicked him. And I'm not sure whether he thought by watching anime, because I, I looked some of that up and there's a fiery kick guy and there's all this. And I, I guarantee it came from some of this or Street Fighter or something. But did he not ever go, all right, uh, can I have some wet towels at ringside? Can I have a fire extinguisher or something like that? Because... What tells you I can soak my foot in lighter fluid, light it on fire, and let me guess, your kick is so hard and so cool that you're going to be like an anime guy and you're going to, you know, (laughs) extend that energy from my foot that's on fire. It's going to extend and shoot out. And 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 flame and crispy fry this guy's head. <laughs> Is that what he was looking for, or was it? Let me kick him, and then my foot's still going to be on fire because he had to have a fucking out, right? I mean, right? Do you, I mean, where the fuck is the fire going to go if when I kick him, if it doesn't like shoot off my foot in some magical goddamn way? How is it going to get extinguish itself? It's not going to. Why right. would you not have? You know, if you're going to do something like that, 
I honestly feel like it should be, you know, like a heel thing or something like that. If that was going to happen. But, but the thing is you got to go for wet towels just in case, uh, I need a fire extinguisher, this, that, but no, nobody thought of that. They just thought that he's going to light his foot on God dang fire and I'm going to kick you. And all of a sudden it's going to either go to your head and burn you or it's going to extinguish itself. And no, that's not going to happen. I don't understand why these motherfuckers think the shit like that. I, I just don't understand the concept, man. I mean, right. What the fuck, man? Why would you light your foot on fire? And, and then, I don't know if they teach us in school anymore. I don't know how this old this guy is. Stop, drop, and roll. He stopped. He dropped. And then he started fucking banging his foot on the, uh, the, the mat that looked like it wasn't even like a, I don't know, to me in the video that I saw, looked like one of those slippery canvases. Right. I don't right. know. It didn't look like that. I mean, and that for sure is not going to put it out. And then people are pouring water on it. And then once they finally get it out, he fucking rolls over and covers the guy. Bless the guy's heart that had to fucking sit there (laughs) for a guy that, okay, he just kicked me. I'm selling for this flaming video game kick. And, uh, well, now his foot's on fire and uh, they're trying to put it out. But I'm still going to lay here and I'm going to fucking do the job for him. Because he is someone that has been, I guess, on AEW or something like that. If that is your way of trying to get back in the big leagues, that's probably not the way to do it, man. That's just stupid as fuck to me. I did something similar. Me and Sandman worked out. Uh, and the reason I say this is because we did it in a way where I did have to light my clothes on fire because that is your clothes, your, your, your shoe, your kick pad, all that. Right. Sandman came out. I'm beating up the ECW guys at the TNA arena outside. Me and him came up with something where, Hey, don't just come in. Cause he was the one that was going to be the save the day. And, uh, he comes in with a flaming kendo stick. Well, he hits me on my back, my back, which was exposed, no clothes on it. No, nothing that could catch on fire. You know what I mean? It's just right. fucking stupid, man. I just don't understand what the fuck these guys are thinking. Uh, this kid can get mad at me for thinking this way, but man, don't, don't even get me fucking started on this dumb shit, man. It's fucking video game bullshit. This is not wrestling. I don't know if he understands that what we used to use back in the day was was flash paper, uh, yeah. but it, it wasn't lighter fluid on your shoe that you couldn't put out, and you also didn't take the repercussions of what should I do if this doesn't go out? He he, I, I, like I said, I, this is what I don't understand. Did he think that he was going to kick the fire? Like a video game, he was going to kick the fire off of his shoe into this guy. So then what's the next best thing? This guy's face catches on fire other than my shoe. Something was going to catch on fire. Right. And there was no, uh, obviously, they were pouring bottles of water. There was no, uh, man, get me me about three or four, uh, you know, wet towels to smother it. There was no uh, fire extinguishers or no nothing. It was just fucking blatantly stupid and dumb. And again, and and it could have worked out a lot worse than it did. Either dude's face, I mean, think about it. If the kick, 
did splash some of the uh, lighter fluid or whatever onto this guy's hair or face, that would have caught on fire. Oh, yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me, man. I mean, you're trying to get a pop. I don't know what the crowd was. I don't know what the crowd was there, but it wasn't enough to do that. And and nobody thought it through and just dumb, just dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if he would have been wearing patent leather boots or something that was slick, it wouldn't have been this absorbent material that literally he could not extinguish with a kick or the wind of a kick. I mean, I'm sorry, you know, not even sweet chin music would put out a fire foot, you know? No. So, but Shawn Michaels just wouldn't do that. That's the other thing. So, no, exactly, exactly. But there's my, uh, you know, Don't get me started, man. Don't get me started on this dumb shit. And that introduces a brand new segment on Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Wolfie D with Don't Get Me Started. Advertisers, sponsors out there. This is a prime spot of the episode, and you want to sponsor that, let us know. It's open temporarily. (laughs) All right, let's get on to Cassidy. What do you think, man? Sound good to you, brother? Yeah. So me and Cassidy go way back, man, and, and we'll get into some of that. Uh, we're going to bring uh, Cassidy on here as soon as we take this commercial break. Be right back. Hey, folks, to get your official Live and in Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. Okay, folks, we are back. Wolfie D's live and in color. And today, my guest is a good friend of mine who I've known for many, many years, Cassidy Riley. What's going on, my friend? What's up, Wolfie? Hey, man, thank you guys for having me. It's an honor uh, uh, to be on your podcast amongst the other guests that I know you've had. I I feel unworthy. Oh, Oh. stop. Come on now. (laughs) You're you're great in your own right, Cassidy. Uh, (laughs) I was trying to think, and I couldn't remember. I guess it was, what, the late 90s when we met? Yeah, it was probably 97, 98, somewhere in there. Now, was that, do you remember wrestling me? I think it was for a group called IWA at a casino in Louisiana, I believe. And, and, yeah, in Bossier City. It was at the Horseshoe in Bossier City. I remember it well. Because yeah. I remember it was it was for Rob Russin, I believe. And uh, I, I just remember I was going to do a slingshot, launch yep. it to the floor, and... <laughs> and as I as I grab the rope and load up and lean back, my hands were sweaty or oily and slipped, and I busted my ass, and it hurt. Like I don't ever remember falling on my ass hurting as bad as it did that night. And then you just slid me right out of the ring, and we went right to work. But I remember just being like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that just happened." Didn't I, <laughs> didn't I kind of cover it by trying to like run away, like I wasn't going to be there? Oh yeah, you. 
Yeah, you covered him. You covered him beautifully. And then just pulled me out by my leg, and we went to work on the floor, and then right back in the ring, and just yeah. uh, nobody knew the difference except for us. But nah. it hurt my pride. <laughs> good little match. Good little match. Yeah, so, good times, man. That, but that that was our first time to work together, and, and I'm pretty sure that was my first time getting to meet you. I knew you were, obviously, but that's the first time I got to meet you. So. Uh, what what got you into this? And obviously, like we know each other very well, but I've said this a number of times when I have guests on here who I've known forever, but we were also caught up in what we were doing as wrestlers. Like, unless I right. rode all the time or something, I don't know. I, I got to thinking, I don't know a lot about my quote unquote friends in the wrestling business. I don't know their real personal stories, man, because <laughs> you yeah. just don't get into it. I'm all. the same way. Yeah. yeah, you just get so caught up in the moment and it's a, you're on the grind 24-7 and you see each other for a couple hours a few times a week or whatever. And right. Usually you're talking business and, you know, but yeah, I, and I feel the same way. But no, I grew up uh, I grew up in Louisiana and I grew up watching Bill White's Mid-South and uh, they used to come to the Monroe Civic Center where I live every couple of weeks and we would always go down to the matches and, man, I just fell in love with it. But it was some of the... To, for me, still today, that's some of the best wrestling in the world was the Mid-South Territory. Right. Uh, you know, they had Rock and Roll Express and the Midnights were there, and Terry Taylor, Jim Duggan, Ted DiBiase, Junkyard Dog. You yeah. know, and the list just goes on and on. It was just so good. It was hard not to be a fan if, you know, if you ever sat down and watched it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And who broke you in? Uh, Lolly Griffin, who, who wrestled as... Uh, Actually, I got smartened up by a guy named Freddie Grapp, who was uh, a local indie guy down here, but he didn't have a ring to train me. But he mm -hmm. put me in touch with Lolly Griffin, who was out of Mississippi, where they were running some, some TV out of one of the casinos in Vicksburg, and I ended up meeting up with him, uh, and he ended up having a ring. But he, he worked as Crybaby Buxton and Global. Mm -hmm. So okay. he, he had yeah. been around the Dallas Territory and, and, and the Southern Independence. But uh, him and then Hillbilly, uh, Hillbilly Cousin Luke, Gene Pettit, were, were mm -hmm. two of the guys that helped me. Gene was down here, and he was kind of help booking for when Lolly was running shows, and they would have guys like Terry Taylor and Tommy Rogers in. So I got some ring time with some of those guys, too. Tommy Rogers was one of the first guys I ever got in the ring with. And so, I mean, yeah. when, you, when you're learning from people like that right. and having that supplemental training from guys like that, it, it's, it's, man, it was just incredible. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. That's awesome. We were yeah. kind of like uh, you and mine age group. It was kind of like on the cusp of not having that anymore. We were lucky that that was the last kind of round where you still got to, when you broke in, you get to wrestle guys that had experience, you know, instead of right. two indie guys that have both been working for six months out there breaking their necks you know <laughs> yeah there were still guys that could really work that were around and were working that you could learn from and you know up there was lawler and dundee and down here yeah. it was guys like you know and, and we were fortunate enough we we were able to work in places where they were at to learn from them you know i feel like we were like the very last end of the territory days as yeah. our generation you know I uh, but it was just incredible. I mean, I'm, I remember working at the Dallas Sportatorium. I, I got I got a chance to work at the Sportatorium before it closed down, and I just remember pulling up to the Sportatorium, and and my name was on the marquee one night, and I'm just thought, man, this is this is absolutely incredible, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's same for me when I saw my name, 
at the Mid South Coliseum, uh, the the big scoreboard thing that was you know in the middle of the, the deal that hung yeah. down. Put your name and lights up there for me. I had a picture of that for the longest. I don't know what I did with it, but it was a very special, just because it was the Mid South Coliseum. So I know what you're saying. Yeah, when you grow up watching those 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 venues, and then you're there in some capacity, you know, maybe not a headliner, but figured into the show. And you're a part of it. That, I mean, it just seems surreal for the first couple of times. Like, and it's the greatest feeling in the world. And I think that's what we all continue to chase for years and years, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's fast forward a bit, man. Let's let's talk about TNA and the Hot Shots. How did, how did you guys get together? Uh, I, had, I had tagged with Frank Paris, Air Paris, for a while. And we were the original Hot Shots when, when Paris... And uh, AJ ended up signing developmental deals with WCW. We kind of stopped tagging, and that's about the time Chase was coming in to Nashville. It was just a year or so after that. Uh-huh. And so Bert Prentice is the one who said, hey, I got this guy coming in. And Frank, after WCW, Air Harrison, you know, he wasn't wanting to do much. I think he was kind of jaded by the whole situation. Uh-huh. Uh so so Bert put me and Chase together and we started tagging around Nashville and it just clicked, man. He Chase is a fantastic worker and we just had some really good matches with everybody around that Tennessee, Kentucky area and that's kinda how it started. Right. And then to actually going into T N A, you know, Jerry Jarrett and uh Jeff would come down to the sportatorium when they were getting ready to start opening TNA and they were scouting talent. I remember Bill Barris was sending a lot of guys up from Georgia and they were just looking at everybody from all around the area who, who they thought were, you know, could come to work for a weekly pay-per-view company. Right. And, and it just kind of went from there. They saw us work. And I think the original plans were Mr. Jerry Jarrett had wanted to make us like a second version of the fabulous ones. Yeah. Uh, and then when ticket sales just didn't go so good that first week, then they had to start bringing in the big names. But we kind of got pushed pushed to the back a little bit when, when that happened. And they brought us in in like week three or four or something, but mm-hmm. never did focus on us like, uh, you know, like I thought they were going to. But, I mean, we had a great run there, and we just kind of made it our own and, you know, and, yeah. and did what we did and enjoyed it. I remember you and Chase worked me and Brian Lee. I don't know if it was just one time. It could have been more than once there at, at TNA. Um, did you do you recall ever working Jamie? Now I can't think of working you in a tag with Jamie. I don't think no. I've never got to work with you and Jamie together. Huh. Yeah, I, I know uh, we we worked singles, and I've worked with you with, with Brian when you were you doing uh, Disciples of the New Church, right? And. Uh, but I, and I worked with you as Slash, but I never got to work with you and Jamie as PG thirteen, and I'm kind of I'm kind of sad by that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that I just popped into my head. I was like, damn, I've known this dude for that long, but I don't think he's ever worked with me and Jamie. <laughs> yeah, you guys always seem to be in a different area than what we were. Yeah, and, you know, we just we just never got got the chance. Uh, I know you guys were doing a lot of WCW shots and on the Saturday night shows and stuff when we were kind of doing starting out in TNA or, or right right before we had started out in TNA. Right. Uh, 
it, me and Chase started tagging, so we just never got a chance to work with you guys. Yeah, Cassidy, again, thank you so much for coming on. So we don't really do this in a timeline per se. You know, Wolfie, we kind of treat it like a car conversation. So basically, I'm in the back seat. One of you are driving, whatever, but somebody, we're going to a show basically right now, and you guys are the veterans. You're teaching me some stuff here. So the one thing that I, I remember about you, I remember I, I'm a musician, and I was in a band, and we traveled to Nashville and played a show and I remember seeing you on Music City Wrestling TV and then I moved to Nashville in 04 and I'm watching I think at that time was now turned to USA Championship Wrestling. Now I know it's a little bit of right. time there in difference but and there you were again and so I was like okay this kid's got something to me it seemed like the big leagues, they look great. They're really talented. This is not the local Virginia shows that I'm seeing. These guys are really put together and doing good stuff. Talk a little bit about those two promotions and, and Bert and, and that time frame. Well, I mean, I feel like it was the big leagues. It was, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't WCW, WWE, you know, top of the mountain. But, but I mean, I feel like that was one of the, both of those companies were kind of right under that level you know mm -hmm. it, above mm -hmm. outlaw independent shows or independent shows with no tv they had you know they had tv that was syndicated in over a hundred and something markets across the country so there was plenty there was a good bit of tv exposure and that's where you learn to work cameras and you know just just that's where for me that's where cutting my teeth really came in like i learned how to wrestle before i got there on the independence but i didn't learn how to work until i got to usa championship wrestling or music city wrestling because then you're i was in there with guys like you know wolfie and flash and you know Corey williams and ashley hudson just guys who were such good workers man and so for me it felt like the big leagues for me too and i was i was always happy to get there i would drive 540 miles from louisiana and wow. I remember that number. I'll never forget it. And that that was one way just to make those CVs. And I would come in on like a Wednesday and would work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then usually home on Sunday, you know. So they were running towns all over Kentucky and Tennessee. So it's for me, it's where I feel like I just I really learned how to work and really cut my teeth at. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you're talking about Louisiana to, to Nashville for a dream, essentially. So I can totally relate to that as a, like I said, a former musician who got to travel some. What gave you, like you said, you love Mid-South, you love Bill Watts. I guess who were some of your heroes growing up? What are the wrestlers that you liked to watch as a, as a young man? I was always a fan of tag team wrestling. So, I mean, Rock and Roll Express is what really kind of hooked me into Mid-South. Uh, yeah. I'll never forget one of the first live events that I went to was, it was an eight, eight person or a four team tag team match with the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight, the Fantastics and the Guerreros. Holy and they crap. just tore it up, man, for like 20 minutes. It was just, I mean, off the charts. And, and that, that style of wrestling hooked me from a young age. So I always loved tag team wrestling. I think my biggest success in my career has come from tag team wrestling. I've had some decent runs as a single wrestler, but most of my success, I feel like, has came from tag team wrestling, and it all evolves kind of back to that love of it that I found as a child. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can, I mean, you can tell that you were a fan of, of, that's my favorite type of pro wrestling as well, tag team. A lot of the current promoters don't really see the value in putting four guys out there versus just 
putting two guys out there. But to me, the tag team wrestling is where it's at for sure. And I totally agree with that. So who was your first tag team partner? Uh, probably Air Paris. Yeah. I, I came in when I came into Memphis, I was doing single stuff. And when I came into Memphis, I came in for Bert for an NWA, uh, anniversary show and i can't remember what number it was but i was the mississippi uh television champion there's a little small independent company that had television in mississippi and so i had the mississippi television title and i came up and they were part of the nwa as well so they got to send a match what was me and another guy who was the mississippi heavyweight champion and it was just horrible i mean the match was horrible it was god awful he got blown up and Nothing went smooth. It was just a rough night at the office. And I just remember I walked back in the, in the dressing room and uh, I, I found Bert and I apologized to him. I was like, hey, man, I apologize. That was nowhere near what it should have been. And, and I'm sorry. He's like, well, don't get dressed yet. I may have something else for you. So he sent us back. He sent me back out with Air Paris. And uh, we worked David Young and Shane Eaton and tore the house down, man. It was like we had all been, you know, working together for years. It just flowed so good. And it was just a fun match. And everybody was right where they needed to be. And so after that match, he he, he brought me back in and said, hey, look, you know, I want to bring you back up and keep you guys together. And we'll put the belts on you and, you know, see what happens and i was going so yeah i was a singles wrestler until me and paris started tagging together what a legendary name in the business too. air paris his name is beside yeah. just about everybody you know <laughs> right funny yeah, yeah he was a good guy man we had a lot of fun together and he was young and hungry when we started and so was i and so it was just always wanted to go out and just just really try to learn and, and work as hard as we could. Yeah. Yeah. And you, Cassidy, you brought up a name I hadn't heard in quite a while. What a character. Oh, style and Shane Eden. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I remember the first time I saw music city wrestling was before I ever started working there. I was in, I was in Detroit visiting some people and it came on syndication up there. And Shane Eden was one of the first guys that I saw. Uh, it, when when the show came on, once I found the show on TV, it was about midway through, and I clicked on. It was Style and Shane Eden, and he yeah. was cutting a promo with Bird at ringside. So I, you know, it was just, to, and then to be able to be in the ring with him later, Shane was such a character, man. Yeah, I, I've had a number of matches with him, and and he's done some incredibly stupid yet funny things. Uh, I know exactly. He told me. The story that he had Shane shoot him off and told him, uh, duck one, watch the clothesline. And so he ducks one. And then when and he, he goes back and watches, he ducks down <laughs> the clothesline. And then there was another one where he told him something about, uh, he, he had him give him something. So Steve's on, on his back. And told the next follow up move was to drop the leg, and Shane literally picked up one of his legs and then dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt it, man. And that's another name, you know. Actually, uh, when I was doing some independent shows for that that little Mississippi company I was telling you about, uh, Reno and Steve Dunn came in, the Vols came in, and they threw together a tag match. Uh, with me and another guy, and I can't remember who it was, but I remember he screwed up the finish, and he was supposed to take the finish, and uh, for whatever reason, he forgot it, so I made him tag out, and I came in 
went right to the finish and took it. And then Steve and Reno came back to Burton and was like, hey, there's a kid down in Mississippi that's really good. If you get a chance, you ought to bring him up. So guys yeah. like that that give you the rub, you know, and the nod, help help advance your career. Uh, it was always fun. And I always loved working with the balls. That's awesome. Yeah. I did too. Reno Reno was a hell of a hell of a worker, man. I mean, I guess that's why he kept his job for so long in New York because he could make anybody right. look, man, you know. And Steve was good yeah, too. And even that's right, man. And Steve was good too. And then Reno, you know, creative wise, he ran Saul for years and had had a really great product uh, when they were doing the Saul TV up there. So he, yeah. he was he was meant for this business. He got all over me one time. I was managing Jeremiah Plunkett and Drew Haskins, and it was so hot. It was so hot. And I I wore a suit, like a three-piece suit. And so I thought, man, I'm going to sneak out here. You know, Paul Adams didn't wear a jacket. So I'm going to sneak out here with just the vest and the shirt and my sleeves. And I was like, I'm going to sneak out and see if they don't. And I'll just say, I forgot it. Oh, my God. Reno chewed me out when I got to the back. He was like, I never want to see you without your jacket on. And I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but he was like, you're getting across a look, you know, and I, it made total yeah. sense, but he, he had a out. vision and he knew what he wanted. You know right. what I mean? And right. To, I think that's what's missing a lot on the independent shows today. And so many guys run shows, but there's no real direction and clear vision of what the promoter wants for the talent to do. They just let uh, them go out and do whatever and yeah. say, have a good match. You yeah. can't do that, man. If you're going to grow a business, you got to have, you know, this is these are the guys we're building. This is the team that we're building, whatever, and this is where we're going with it. And you have to have a plan set out, or it's just a bunch of shit thrown together. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are you still actively working? I am. Yeah, I'm still working uh, mostly for a little company down here called Bayou Independent Wrestling that does shows in Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi. Uh, nothing's over about four hours from the house and I can make those trips and then be back the same night. So it works out, works out good. Cause you know, I have two kids and, and also they're, they're trying to do exactly what I was saying. They have stuff mapped out months in advance and I try to help them and, and put, yeah. you know, my experience in and, and where I can and the guys that'll listen and, and just make it better. And it's fun for me too. So yeah, I'm still working some. Gotcha. Gotcha. How old are you now? 45. Gotcha. Yeah, so I'm thinking, man, and I'll, we'll just go ahead and we'll, we'll break it here. I mean, I've talked to some some local radio about it here, but uh, yeah. it's probably my last year. Yeah, I got yeah. committed to some dates like into January, February of next year, but I think I got like six or eight more shows. And that, eh, that's probably going to be it for me, man. Yeah, I just, I did, uh, me and Jamie teamed back up a week or so ago. And then I'd done one more match before that. But that's two matches since 2016 when I tore my tricep. I got way too much stuff going on. And and, and, and I'm saying this, and I think Jimmy's heard me say it before, but I just read, and we'll go ahead and bring this up, talking about Flair uh, and Steamboat were going to wrestle. I guess Ricky uh, put the kibosh. Pulled out, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You know, and, and what he said was something to the extent of, I want people to re he said us talking about them two wrestling, but I said, you know, more just for me. I want people just like what he said. I want people to remember the ability that I had like in my prime and in my younger years. And I don't ever want someone to pay to come see me and be disappointed by my performance. 
Well, yeah. yeah, and I agree with that a hundred percent. And not only that, you know, at a, after a certain age, you know how we were when we were the young guys. We were like, oh man, why are these old guys hanging around taking up a spot? And you don't want to be that guy, and you want to make room for the next generation that's coming in. You, you try to teach them on your way out. You leave the better, you leave the business better than what you found it. That's what right. I was always taught, and and, and you know that's kind of how I feel about it. I don't want to outstay my welcome. Professional wrestling has been fantastic to me. You know, it's taught me life lessons in the ring and out of the ring. It yeah. gave me a good living for a lot of years. I got to travel the world and I got paid to do it. So, man, I don't, I don't want to leave. I don't want to tarnish it in any way, and I don't want to tarnish my name and what I feel like I've built over the years either. So, yeah. let me ask you just straight up: What's your opinion? Do you think Flair should be doing this? I, you, you know, <laughs> I don't think so. I, and I see, I don't think he'll ever, he ever really wants to give up. I don't know, especially yeah. since he has a pacemaker. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a bad idea. Uh, yeah. And to tarnish his legacy. And yeah. he, I would like, if it was me, I agree with Simo. Man, those guys put on some hour classics. Yeah. I mean, absolutely fantastic matches. <clears throat> and think of, I don't know if Flair's retirement could be any better than what it was with Sean at WrestleMania. I wouldn't want to tarnish that, you know? Right. It cannot. I think he's just one of those guys, especially, I think he's single again, and his whole life has been professional wrestling. So it's either, you know, he's back living that life he loves, and he just wants a little bit more of it. Well, he said he wanted to die in the ring or under a wild woman. That's what he's always said. So I, I obviously don't he's want He's working either. on both, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't ever want any of those to happen, obviously. Whoever you ask, he's number one or two or three ever of all time. But to me, you're right. He had the exact way out with Sean, that perfect it was last beautiful. match. It was. And Steamboat actually kind of had that with Jericho as a, in 2010. And I don't think he wants to mess that up, you know? So it, in right. the long run, I, I agree, man. It was the perfect, beautiful way out. It was just so good. And, and honestly, you know, after that, it, it, he even did stuff in TNA. But to me, Flair has no better ending than he did with Shawn Michaels. Whatever. Yeah, and I yeah. agree. I, I agree 100%. And, and that's how you want to go out. You know what I mean? I think that's one reason why. If you watch the Undertaker documentary, why it was so hard for him, it's hard enough to walk away from something you love so much regardless, but it, it makes it a little bit easier if you can kind of go out feeling good and how you want to go out. For yeah. me, anyway, that's how I see it. I, you know, that, that's kind of why I'm looking at winding it down. I'm, you know, I, I can't stay in the shape I used to stay in. I feel like I'm still in decent shape. But I'm not in as good a shape as I was when I was 30. You know, I don't have the six-pack abs anymore. I can't bend. I'm I'm not near as flexible. The bumps hurt a lot worse these days. You know, it takes me longer to recover. And I don't want to be – I don't want to be that guy just uh, because that's all – you know, because I love it so much that I just keep hanging on to it forever. It'll always be a part of me, and I'll always help out, and, you know, and I want to do some stuff behind the scenes. But my time in the ring is just, man, it's it's about done. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's good though that that you see that and can you know be okay with that man because like like I was saying my point was a lot of guys they can't they just they can't right. like and, and no matter what <laughs> I mean I I know for sure there's no way I could go out and do any more than what I did the other night which wasn't much <laughs> so right. I did it for the purpose of the nostalgia with bringing us back together. Uh, you know, it, it drew a, a really good house for that event. And it, people were happy. And it was fun, I'm sure. Let it yeah. go 
you know? Yeah. But you're not going to be like Darby Allen and, and getting up there and diving foot <laughs> off a ladder onto some chairs. Those days are long oh, gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Would you have ever done that bump, though? <laughs> Probably when I was 25. Yeah, okay. you know, but your body just can absorb stuff like that when you're that, when you're his age. And hey, that guy's a tough kid, man. You, you, and he's kind of carved out his own niche. For me, like in pro wrestling, there's different niches, niches, and I like he's kind of like a, a a crash guy, like Jeff Hardy. That you know, the big bumps are what kind of sets him apart from a lot of stuff. Their wrestling's great, but that's what they're known for. And I think he's just carved out a nice little niche for himself in that lane. And man, he's I think he's going to put together some really good matches with Jeff down the road. If they if, if I was booking, man, that's where I'd keep it for the next six or eight months. I don't know if they could live to survive six yeah. or eight month run together. But, man, it'd be fun to watch. Did you see, though, like, because, you know, Jeff was coming up, you know, to catch him. And just the impact in which he hit and the... Uh, the like, well, yeah. The well, let's think about this logically for just one second. Let's dissect this logically. How about <laughs> if we tell you, okay, we're going to lay you down on eight chairs, eight metal chairs. And we're yeah. going to, what's Darby, probably 190 pounds or so. Yeah. I mean, he's probably under 200. And they yeah. tell you, we're going to lay you down on eight metal chairs, and we're going to throw 190 pounds down on you from 20 yeah. feet in the air. and Just try to yeah. survive if you can. We, we, we're not going to give you any advice. You yeah. Know, yeah. Just try to live through it if you can. And that's basically what would happened. You, it's crazy. Would you rather be Jeff, or would you have rather been Darby in that scenario? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I don't know, man. Pro- oh, probably Jeff. <laughs> yeah, no what doubt. do you think? What's your opinion? Yeah, you, you catch him. I've always said it's easier to catch him. I, I don't give a fuck what you want to do over the top rope. I'm a pretty good catcher. So yeah, uh, well, and I, that's the worst is when you get up there to do something and nobody does catch you. You know what yeah. I mean? That's yeah. the thought that's always going through your mind right before you pull the trigger and yeah. make that leap 15 feet in there. Are they going to catch me? And that yeah. sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Crazy. It's like that particular thing of catching guys is like gone out a window. It's like, why can they stand? It's either they stand there forever looking at them or they fucking miss them. Yeah. Well, you know, that's like all the viral videos that you see for wrestling now. Half of them is somebody just not catching anybody worth a shit and just letting them go. And the guy just splatting or girl just splatting on the guardrail, splatting on the concrete, on the ladder, whatever it is. And yeah. so that's all the stuff like, man, huh? and then like Sin uh, posted something the other day in his snake, uh, snake tip group yeah. that he has on Facebook. And it was a guy that, it, man, they were in front of 30 people. And this guy takes a chair and just, I mean, like the most reckless chair shot I've ever seen and just yeah. pounds this guy in the back of the head in front of 30 people. And like this guy, if you don't know how to swing a chair, don't swing a chair. If you yeah. can't do it, and you sure don't kill somebody in front of 30 people, if anything, you go light until you right. figure it out. That's the perfect learning opportunity. You know, take it easy, and we can always bring a little more wood next time, but you don't kill people in front of 30 people with a metal chair, especially when you know how to swing it. Completely reckless these days. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope-ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D.
Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're gonna wanna call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, BowieHomes.com. That's B-U-I-E Homes.com. Or you can email him at BenBowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. So not to get back onto Darby, because I totally respect your opinion, but honestly, the only thing I didn't really like about it, and again, you guys were the wrestlers, but it was on a Wednesday night for free, where I think Jeff would have done that at WrestleMania or something. I know that's... Yeah. And also, I don't know what you looked... I, I don't exactly remember what you looked at at 25, but what I've always remembered about Cassidy Riley is you've kind of always had the uh, Benoit Kid Cash physique. Like, you were really well, solid, put-together-looking dude. Darby is not that. I mean, he's a very... I mean, he's put together in his own right, but you actually had some protection on your body to take that bump. You know what I'm saying? I don't... Well, I don't and I appreciate that, man. Thank you for... Thank you for that. But for me, it was like, I, I don't know. I kind of understood because I feel like there was probably more eyes on the product that night because they were doing the Owen Hart Memorial. So, sure. and that's why I tuned in. I don't watch every week, but you know, full disclaimer, I don't, I don't watch every week, but I wanted to see what they were going to do with the Owen Hart tournament. So sure. I tuned in. And so I think, you know, it was smart on his decision for that because there's probably going to be new eyes and he stole the show. I mean, with that bump, he's, they, that, that match was incredible. It was a show stealing maneuver for sure. So, you know, like we do, as always, we jump around on topics. And one thing that's always bugged me, and I've always wanted to ask you, so you you had your run in TNA, you were chasing the hot shots, and and, and then you did the, the run with AMW, and then you started this thing with Raven, and I've never really gotten the answer, and I guess it's kind of there or not. Were, was that the start of a new flock, possibly, that what you were yeah, doing? Yeah, I, I don't know if there was going to be other characters added to it, down the road i think it was going to be it was more like well, let's just do this now and and see what happens yeah. uh and then dusty came in and the plans were he, he, you know i was with raven for a while and he never did really accept me and then dusty comes in and he was gonna you know that was raven broke my fingers and then dustin Rhodes comes down and makes the save well the plans from there were for me and dustin to tag together and eventually we were going to win the tag belts but gotcha. uh, Dusty ended up going back to WWE and, you know, Dustin, I don't think was probably in the best place in his life at that point in time either. And so things just yeah. didn't work out, but that was kind of the, the design of where it was headed. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. You know, I always felt like that that was about to happen, but, and then obviously you ended up in WWE, ECW, OVW. Talk a little bit about that, man. Well, when Dusty left TNA, like I, like I just mentioned, uh, yeah. He went back to work for WWE. Well, when he left, I was kind of labeled as one of Dusty's guys, and they didn't really want to do anything with me. They were trying to go in a completely different direction, and that happens when you bring, you know, a new booker comes in. They want to take the company in, into their direction, which is why they were brought in. So yeah. they didn't really have plans for me, and so I called Dusty and told him what was going on. And after my contract was up there, he, you know, he had put in a word for me and he was the reason I went up to, to WWE. So I owe Dusty a ton of credit, man. 
he was always so good to me and I loved him and will be fond forever of what he did for me. But man, I enjoyed my time at OVW. Again, I was in a tag team up there with Casey James. And yeah. Casey was a great worker. He had been down in Puerto Rico. He had started out in Nashville. We had met in Nashville. And then he went down to Puerto Rico and was there for several years and then came up and was signed to a developmental deal. He had a little run with Aaron Stevens as a tag uh, called the teacher's pet with Michelle McCool was there. Uh, manager, so he had already had a little run on TV, and he liked tag team wrestling, and it just fit. And you know, we had the OBW tag belts, the Southern Tag Team titles, up there five or six times, and I was really disappointed, man. I was really at that time WWE was not focused on tag teams whatsoever, and I feel like right. that opportunity was missed because we we looked a lot alike, we wrestled a lot alike, we had a good gimmick. Yeah, and, and I just feel like some opportunity was missed there. I'm not ever bringing us up and, and pulling the trigger and just letting us see what we could do on, on the main roster. You know, I always thought you, KC, and Chris Michaels would have made an excellent brother tag team, too, like a, a six-man as well. You, if you think about it, I always kind of thought you – I mean, you and KC for sure resembled, and I always got a little of Chris Michaels from KC as well, you know. So, anyway, I know that's a little off-topic there, but <laughs> – No, but I agree. I think Chris would have fit in good because Chris is one of those guys that could work with anybody. And I've yeah. had – I remember the first time I ever got in the ring with Chris, well, we were at a balloon festival in Greenville, Mississippi – and there was, you know, probably 1,500, 2,000 people there, and he and I tagged together. And, it, I mean, he's one of those guys, he just got it, and we clicked, you know. It's just he, he was always a good worker. But, again, he had been around guys like Steve Dunn and Reno, like Wolfie was talking about earlier, guys who had been around, and he learned from those guys, and that's why he was so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, before we get to the next topic, I want to ask you, give me your best Dusty Rhodes impersonation. Oh, I can't do it, man, because I feel like I'd be doing a, a disservice to, to the dream. But he would always say, I'm genius in my ass off, baby. <laughs> <laughs> would, I'm genius in my ass off. And I remember that when he was thinking, he would see, he'd, he'd be, I'd laugh, he'd say, I'm genius in. So, that, you know, I love Dusty. God bless him, man. He, he's I'll miss him and, and always be grateful for him. Yeah. And that's another one of those guys like, man, you grow up watching them. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you get to learn from them. And that's one of those moments that's just like so surreal when you stop now where I'm at in my career and I look back on it. You know, you don't appreciate it at the time like we were talking about earlier. But you look back, you're like, man, gosh, dog, I got to learn from Dusty. You know, I got to watch him book and learn and the stuff that he's produced over the years. It's just it's just incredible. Oh, hey, yeah, for sure. Cassidy, I've, I've told this story on the show, but this is my Dusty Rhodes story. When he passed away, uh, a guy hit me up on Facebook from like somewhere up in Kentucky or West Virginia or something like that. And he said, yeah, that's terrible about Dusty. He said, uh, I, I remember that match you and him had at night in whatever town he said. And I sent back, I said, I ain't never wrestled Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> And what do you like, do? Send you pictures of it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was the one and only time that I had ever worked him. And for whatever reason, and you know me, I, I didn't remember doing it. And uh, Well, Wolfie, think about it. How many matches have you had over your career? I've, I've, I've been through the same thing. People will <laughs> bring up something and like, I don't remember it at all. And, and then finally something will click and you're like, 
Oh yeah, I completely forgot I did that. And yeah. when you think about the broad spectrum of your career and the things you do remember, and then you have those moments pop up like, oh man, that's cool. I, and I'd forgotten all about it. I wish I would have kept better detail in my career as I went along. And if I had to do it all over again, I'd write down dates and, and towns I was in and people keep I worked. The, and, keep the fly. Know, I wish I would have done that more. Right. Because back when we was breaking in, man, if you asked one of the other guys to take a picture with you, you were considered a fucking mark. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I remember exactly. And then I, I, when I first met Lawler, I was probably seven or eight years into my career by then. I was just asking him for some advice. I said, if you could give me any advice, what would you give? It's, he said, take more pictures. I wish I would have taken more pictures along yeah. the way. And so after that point, I kind of started, but it was still kind of taboo. You know, yeah. you would do it, but then it was becoming a little more acceptable. But for real, I mean, they would they would be like, oh, look at this Mark wanting a picture with Jerry Lawler or Wolfie. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you were scared of being labeled, and so you just didn't do it. You just sat over there. You shut up unless you were, t- you know, spoken to, and you listened and you learned. And that's how it was. We're also considered a mark if you valued your title belt too much. You know, right. that was kind of another taboo thing that, man, now these motherfuckers, they win it. They, you know, it's on Twitter. As soon as they come from back from the ring, they done won the yeah. LNLP yeah. title. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't put it over, man. Back when we were coming up, you would like when you first won your first one, you just, you tried to no sell it, but inside yeah. you were just like exploding with happiness. And he's like, oh, it's not that big a deal, you know, no right. big deal. Cause you don't want to make nothing. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. If they think I deserve it, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to switch gears real quick and ask you this. Let's, let's talk about this. Have you ever, and now I'm talking about from a big company down to the smallest company, have you ever refused to finish and left an arena? No. No? Never, never ever, 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 ever. Have you? Yes. <laughs> have you really? I did it. I well, me and Sammy did it too. And this was nothing. This is why I said the spectrum would be from one end to the other, the size of the uh, you know company, if you want to call it. But I did it. We and Jamie did it to Buddy Wayne one night uh, somewhere around Memphis because he wanted us to drop the straps to these two guys that had just came in, and we're the champions. And we got TV the next morning, and we're doing we're doing an angle with fucking rock and roll or something. And you know, it's like uh, we can't fucking do that. We're out of here. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. Well, that's understandable, though. Yeah, you, you know that's completely understandable. But I was always like. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was always whatever you're paying me, I'll do what you need me to do, type of guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I may have not agreed with it, and I may have not have liked it, and I may have bitched about it a lot later. But I would, yeah. all, I never, I never didn't do it, never left the arena. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and never did not go back for business later if that did happen. And especially because you know what I where I'm going with this, especially sure. that man she's making lots and lots and lots of money oh my god but you're told you know it's not like you know uh an, an indie show or something she's some indie person making a quick hundred bucks you know no she's making a lot of money and, and it's just like be grateful for the position that you have yeah because there's people who would absolutely die to be in that spot who love yep. wrestling and, and and are good and probably deserve it and who wouldn't complain a bit and do whatever was asked. And to me, I don't know. That's just kind of like, 
how I was brought in in the business is you were there to do a job, no matter what it was, whether you agreed with it or not, you did what you know, they were paying you. But at that level, especially, and that's to me, I think you start buying into your own hype too much. When you get there, yeah. you know, you forget where you came from. You forget what it was like to make a hundred bucks at an indie show because you're making millions now and it doesn't matter. But what they don't realize is, man, you can be back down at the bottom just as fast as you were at the top. And that's the kind yeah. of stuff to get you there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you become a problem and nobody wants a problem in their locker room. Nobody wants to deal with it. And you know, there's enough going on. You want everything to run smooth. And you, they have your talent has to trust that you have a vision to where you want your company to go. And it's your company. So if if they ask you to do that, you know, if you don't like it, you can leave, then go start your own company and do things your way and see how hard it is and how successful you are doing it. There's a reason they're at that level. Yeah. Talking about the company, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about it, but we do have a little segment called Current Affairs. So if you guys want to talk some current affairs, I, I've got a few more we can talk about since we've kind of interspersed them into the show. You cool yeah. with talking a little more about current stuff, Cassidy? Yeah, man, I'm down for whatever you guys want to talk about. I, I just enjoy the conversation. It's good to put out there for, for everybody listening, you, you know, some of our thoughts on stuff. I, I enjoy having Having my perspective out there a little bit. Absolutely. Well, we'll be right back with Current Affairs. DJ, hit the music. It's a current affair. It's a current affair. Love it in color. It's a current affair. All right, we're back with Cassidy Riley and Current Affairs. And honestly, I just always like to start out whenever we have a guest. And I know we've talked about Jeff Hardy, Darby Allen. We've talked about Ric Flair's return, all these things. But really, just talk about current wrestling. And who are some of the workers that you really enjoy watching right now? Well, I think it's like guys like Randy Orton, uh, AJ Styles, you know, Seth Rollins. I've enjoyed seeing what Cody's doing back in WWE. I was, I was happy to see how they're handling that situation. And, you know, some of the AEW product that I've been able to catch. Yeah. Uh, all those guys are really good. Brian Danielson and punk going back to AEW, I thought was, was interesting. So I like to keep up what they're doing. And, yeah. you know, MJF, I think is probably one of the best heels in all of wrestling right now. I think yeah. that kid's going to be able to write his ticket as, as far as his future goes. I think he's just incredible. Yeah, he's definitely got that. People kind of compare him to Piper and and things like that. He's got an element about him that's actually fully original, too, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the thing. He's different than anybody else out there. You just give him a microphone and his work's good, too. I think that's a really good comparison between him and Piper. You know, I have not heard that yet, but I think that's a great comparison. He's kind of the modern era Roddy Piper. Just give him a microphone, but his work can back it up, too. Yeah, and he loves being a bad guy. He doesn't even care. I mean, he's a he's a live the gimmick villain, you know? <laughs> right. So yeah, that's and kind that's of how you have to be to have stuff successful. Yeah, yeah. So out of the current crop, who would you have liked to have been able to have hooked up with? Who do you think really would have meshed well with you just from visually speaking? Well, I I would have loved to have been able to work with FTR in a tag match. I think oh, those yeah. guys are, 
Oh, so good, man. And they, they really get it. And I think, again, that's one reason why they've been as successful as they have is because it's just great old school storytelling tag team wrestling. You, you yeah. know, it's not a, a ton of high spots and the stuff they do, you know, that's, that's big is placed where it needs to be in the match. And it's just great. Good. I mean, to me, it's just really great storytelling, old school wrestling. So I would have loved to have been able to have a tag match with those guys. Oh man, hot shots FTR. Good lord, I'm getting chill bumps right yeah, now. Yeah, one of the first TNA tapings, Chase and I had uh, had a chance to hook up with the Briscoe brothers. Oh uh, man! But yeah. the match was interrupted because they were trying to push Malice, who was the wall at WCW. They were pushing right. Jerry, so Jerry comes down and just cleans house and destroys everybody. But I would have loved to have had to been able to finish that out. You know, in my prime with us against them, and I think that would have been really fun too. So tell Wolfie, I know he knows who the Briscoes are, but how awesome would a Briscoes PG thirteen feud have been? Like, think about that. Oh, it would have been incredible. Yeah, I, yeah. And Wolfie, have you not seen a lot of their stuff? No, I haven't, man. And Jimmy tells me it's, he it's, does that all the time. Oh yeah, man. It could. <laughs> oh my God, that would have been so good. That's uh, so good because they're they're a set of characters too, man, and they're different, but their work's really solid. And yeah, that would have been, dude. I would have paid money to see that, and that could have headlined some major arenas around this country for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I keep telling him FTR's doing this tag team deal throughout the year. Maybe he and Jamie can get him, you know, in the fall or something, and uh, show him a little PG thirteen love. But <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know, and Ricky and Rob. Robert are hanging it up there on their farewell tour. I'd love to have one more run with those guys too, and be able to lace it up for them one more time yeah, before they I call said, it a day. I said the same thing. I would love to have me and Jamie work them one more time. Oh man, in Louisville, yeah. can you hook that up in oh, Louisville? Yeah. Maybe. Oh Lord, you know. <laughs> that sell tickets. You know, there's no doubt that sell tickets. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, okay, that's cool. And so it sounds like you're a fan of all. So with AJ Styles, to me, I love AJ. I'm a huge fan of AJ. I've been a fan since the X Division, all those days. I remember even seeing him at the end of WCW, Lottie Da. Do you think they could be doing more with him right now? Or is he just kind of met his level, do you think? Yeah, I mean, he. for me, I feel like he's figured in as a top guy. I mean, you can't have everybody as a top guy all the time. Yeah, uh, is you right. Know, to choose the guys that you're gonna you're gonna put a little steam on. Or right now, it seems to be Cody. So you can't have. But for me, I mean, he's in that upper echelon, and, and I'm a fan of his because I've watched him work for man since he started down for Bill Barons and come through Georgia yeah. and then some stuff that you know around us. So it's always fun for me to see guys that I came up with like AJ that are doing really well. You know, I I enjoy keeping up with him, and that's probably one reason why he's one of my favorites is because I've known him for so long and just happy to see the success he's having. You know, for me, I was never guilty or never – I never was uh, jealous of success that other people were having. I was happy for him. You know, I wanted everybody to do good. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be great, you know. And I just I don't know. I'm just a fan of his. And you know, I typically fall back into fandom and say, well, if my guy's not winning everything, but anyway, I like. I'm a big fan of AJ. But anyway, so recently in Augusta, Georgia, at IWE Wrestling, there was a wrestler named Joe Black who got out of the ring and was. We don't really see much more before the video starts, but Joe. I saw it. Yeah, seems to flip the fan's hat off and give him the double birds. And that good old country strong Georgia boy, yeah, (laughs) throws a a headbutt on him. (laughs) Talk about that for a second. Well, let's do talk about it. Let's talk about how pretty was that headbutt. 
That was yeah. a really nice headbutt, man. Uh, you got to <laughs> give that guy props. I mean, that was that was the first thing when I watched that video. I stopped it right there and rewind. I was like, that was a good headbutt, man. Let me see what that is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he threw that thing with some malice and some intent. So good for him. But I mean, for me, I don't, you know, I think you have the problem when, uh, the, what's his name, Joe Black, is that right? Right. When right. he touches the fan and flips his hat off, I think, you know, yeah. Man, get your heat and stay over. But make them if you want to. If you want to make them so mad, they come over the barricade. You don't need to go over, over that boundary line to get them. If, right. I mean, he, he, you know, have your heat to where they want to come over that barricade and kill you. Uh, yeah. For, and then it's fair game. But you know, so I, if, if it was me, I probably I probably wouldn't have flicked the guy's hat off. And, but uh, you know, again, I wasn't there. You only see snippets. Uh, of, of that clip so you don't know the full story <laughs> yeah see and that's something else that this brings up another topic that i like of the fact that way the wrestling business is now back in the day and this was something you and i were both on the cusp of once again was real heat when they really didn't right. like uh today i feel like it's almost impossible is the word i'm going to use uh to get legitimate heat because of how much the fans know. And it is yeah. very hard for me to walk out there and piss you off legitimately if you know that I'm trying to piss you off. Right. You That's a, yeah, you're 100% correct. 100% correct. I agree with every, every single word you just said. So, you know, it, it's almost impossible because the business has been so opened up and exposed. Uh, yeah. Over, over the, the last 15 years or 20 years or whatever it was and, and to where it's almost impossible to get real heat. And so if you don't have real heat, it's hard to have a really hot baby face too, you know? Yeah, it so it, it goes hand in hand. Right. So my last current affair is a suggestion. You know, there's been a little trouble garnering somebody to come in with the Rock and Roll Express. So I think let's take the Rock and Roll Express out of the scenario. And I'm thinking PG-13 Cassidy Riley needs to step up to challenge Flair and FTR. How about that? <laughs> oh, I would definitely I would definitely be down for that. But I'm, I, you know, yeah, I, I would I would uh, I would have to do a little bit harder training before I'd want to get in there with FTR because I wouldn't want to be able to be a step behind. You know what I mean? Right. Those guys are so good. And at where I'm at in my career now, in my prime, I would have, man, I would give anything just to go in there and just rip it down with them. And, you know, I feel like I, I could still have a really good match with them, but probably not up to my expectations and my standards of where I would want. Yeah. Yeah. But I would be down for it for sure. <laughs> are you going to be in town maybe for SummerSlam at all? I had no, I had planned on it. Yeah. Hey, Cassidy, I wish you could have been there for that last match we did, man, to see just how blowed up Jamie got. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, was a bad one. I actually did a little bit of training, so I wasn't too bad, but I was I was a step off myself. But man, this motherfucker got out of the ring. He, you remember that karate thing that he used to do? He got yeah. blown up doing that. He got blown up doing that, <laughs> and then he he literally got out of the ring and would not. It was time to start the heat. We needed to go and. Uh, <laughs> Refused to get in the fucking ring. <laughs> he walked away. Did you have to take the heat? No, fuck that. Because <laughs> I was, I was doing the finish and everything, and I couldn't. You know, he would have basically <laughs> not in the match. So, 
I got Chris back in there, and we did a little spot and grabbed a hold for a minute. I kept going, and, and even the fans knew, man. It was so funny. <laughs> they were going, they were going, breathe, Jamie, take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst. You know, when you're in the middle of the ring and you're telling the fans, uh, and you can hear them saying that shit to you, then you really actually stop think. That's probably what I need to do. And then you start doing it. He's like, thanks, that actually worked. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, man, I, I, I've been in the rings a few times with the guys, and, and they'd, they'd start chanting that. It was just, I was just, oh, my God, so funny. Yeah, That's how long has it been since Jamie had been in a match, you know? Uh, I don't know for sure. I don't know if he – I think he's done some independent shows in the past few years, I think. I don't know. We we kind of got a little heat with each other and hadn't talked there for a while. But, uh, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah. Well, I was glad to see you guys put all that aside and, and be able to have another night together. Yeah. Uh, the thing was – Especially most, for, you know – Most of oh, that yeah. work, I was trying to work with him, and, and he took it all personal as shit and, and then threw some real low blows at me that I thought were unnecessary, you know, because I was seriously right. – Fuck, I made a puppet of the guy and fucking had fun with it. And you know what I'm saying? I was just working, but whatever. I remember you texting me immediately after you said all that and you were like, all right, now let's start, let's start working. And I said, do you think he's going to take it seriously? You know? And you were like, no, man, I, he knows me, you know? And after that, I was like, okay, that that's really good. I think that could actually well, be some positive. It goes back to the, the to the deal. Always work, right? You're always working. You're <laughs> always, you you know what I mean? You, whatever yeah. the situation gives you, you work to be, you work out of it or into it or whatever. And yeah. if that's what happened. And he wasn't able to make the shot. Then you're always working. So let's turn this around so we can do something to draw some money out of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all I was doing was just trying to make it interesting for people to watch. And they did. Yeah, well, because yeah. people are talking about it already, right? So right. They're not going to not talk about it. So you have right. to do something with it because it's out there. Right. So you're working. Yeah. And it went viral. <laughs> it really went viral. It was great for our podcast because, you know, Wolfie's name's getting put out here and all these things. Like recently on this show, Wolfie says this and, and all that. And and we still say one of our guests is going to be Jamie Dundee and we'll get him on here one day. But Jamie is the king of working, you know? So, <laughs> he, well, yeah, he kinda, he's a Dundee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, you know, Cassie, it's been great to have you on, man. Hey, man. Back. Thank you guys. Like, I literally have enjoyed sitting here just getting to reminisce a little bit and talk about the modern day product and, and what's hot and, and visit with my good buddy Wolfie and you man so thank you guys so much for having me it, yeah. it was an honor to be on the show thank you Cassidy what do you have coming up man tell the people where they can find you uh, July the 9th I'll be back with BIW and we're going to be back in West Monroe Louisiana uh, which is my hometown our last show there completely sold out had to turn people away so hopefully you know hoping for another sellout uh at july the 9th and uh i'm tagging with a guy named bam bam malone who's out of texas he's a young and upcoming guy that's gonna have a great future ahead of him so uh just trying to lay a little foundation and, and help him out and we've been having a really successful little run down this way so it's been fun so july the 9th western louisiana uh, West Monroe Convention Center for Bayou Independent Wrestling. Come check it out if you're anywhere in the area. That's awesome. What about socials or pro wrestling tees? Anything like that where they can find you online? Yep. I'm on Twitter at Cassidy Riley. Uh, I hadn't been real active there lately, uh, but I'm always on Instagram, uh, Facebook. So just look me up and add me, and I'm always putting 
what's going on, whether it's, you know, a, a lot of personal stuff and family stuff, but also my wrestling stuff out there. So if you're a fan and want to keep up, I'd be honored for you to check in, you know, like, subscribe, whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. Make sure y'all do that. Well, Wolfie, you want to take us out, brother? Yeah, man. Once again, Cassidy, I really appreciate you uh, taking your time and uh, coming on the show and just bullshitting with us, man. It's been really fun. Hey, good talking. Always, it's always good getting to catch up with you and spend a little time with you. So thank you, Wolfie. I love you. Love you too, buddy. All right. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, this is Wolfie D with Live It In Color and my co-host, Jimmy Street. And let's once again say thank you to Cassidy, the hotshot rally. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. The podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise. This team does it all. And all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling. Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. That's right. It's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes, and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah. If you're a fan of rock music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. Hey, everyone. This is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you're interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M, the man, 73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World.
So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cat for you don't. He got a cat for you don't. I got a cat for you don't. He got a cat for you don't. And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging. Don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still lobbing in color. Don't rush your mother. Utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD. And I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Title suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping Wrestling's first white boy coming out hip-hop Been doing it like this since 92 Played low for a while when you thought I was through Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected Mad skills, no faking, that is no one great Cause I'm bringing more folks and over one or data Not here to play games, so you better be real You don't like me, so what? I really don't care Like time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped You suck a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped When I finish, I'll straight knock you out Please allow me to tell you what it's all about Gonna wind it up then I'm driving it home, it's Wookie D, baby. Huh, I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.